Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Penn State football fans, welcome to another episode of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Penn Live's Penn State football podcast, Johnny McGonigal. For those of you who are not viewing this and they're listening and you're listening to it, Johnny is rocking his Phillies baseball cap. I am rocking my Dallas Cowboys visor, but uh, that probably is not anything that interests you. But the Phillies are very much on the minds of many people in the state of Pennsylvania. Many people on the Penn State football beat. We're taping this on around three o'clock on Tuesday, reacting to. James Franklin's Tuesday news conference. And Johnny, James was asked about as about 17 different ways about the quarterback position, Sean Clifford, Drew Aller, the future, what it's going to look like on Saturday at Indiana, what it might look like for the rest of the season. James was certainly ready for the questions that were coming. I thought a couple of things were a little interesting. But maybe that was just me. What was your main takeaway for how James Franklin uh, handled, now that Penn State's lost to Ohio State and Michigan, how James Franklin handled the Drew Aller, Sean Clifford question? Yeah, Bob, the you know the Phillies had him where it's the Phillies World Series. I just got it in the mail. I had to... I had to bust it out, you know. I figured, you know, let's not wear the ratty old hat I've had for years. You know, with, with, for this podcast on this occasion, you're looking great. Uh, thank you, thank you. I can't say the same about your, you know, Dallas Pfizer, but you know, here we are. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, on the issue of Drew Aller and uh, Sean Clifford, that was obviously going to be the top uh, topic of conversation in James Franklin's Tuesday news conference, and I ended up, I think, asking the first non-quarterback question on the call. <laughs> I was like. Six questions in by the time they called on me on the Zoom. So, you know, for a story I'm doing on Olu Fashanu. But, uh, yeah, Drew Aller, you know, a lot of people want him to start. And not everyone. Uh, not every Penn State fan is calling for him uh, to take the reins and take over. You know, there's still a faction of the fan base that uh, is fine with Sean Clifford riding things out. Uh, and there's a faction that's not. And so it's it's a really – it's a push-pull argument kind of right now. And it's an interesting choice, an interesting decision that James Franklin has, you know, it's one of the most important ones he ha- he's had in his uh, nine-year tenure as Penn State's head coach, you know, determining the, you know, the present and the future of this program. And, you know, the way he put it is the way he's put it in the, in the past weeks is that they're going to keep, you know, riding the guy that they think gives them the best chance uh, to be 1-0 each week. And uh, he didn't say for certain that Clifford is that guy this week. He said, as it, as it has in the past, it's always been, based on practices and Penn State up until this point hasn't practiced. But, you know, I mean, look, the last eight weeks they've they've trotted Clifford out there and he's that guy. So the one thing I did think that was pretty interesting and in what he said was he said that he's had conversations around the quarterback situation with both coordinators, Manny Diaz and Mike Yersich, uh, with Ken Wissenhunt, who's an offensive analyst on the team this year, former NFL head coach, 
Uh, he said that it's not just you know his decision; it, it's everyone's decision on what they're doing at quarterback. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is he he said that he thought that it was possible or that it wasn't mutually exclusive that you can both prepare for the future and try to win now. And I think that's really the the crux of the argument or you know the the, the choice that he has uh, between Aller and Clifford. So I I, I was curious what you thought uh, about what he said there specifically. There's so much to get to with uh, with James and his quarterbacks, how he's handled his quarterbacks in the past, just the very just his very nature and what how he's kind of handled himself. He's now in his ninth year. It, it's it's interesting to me that he uses the word whenever he uses. By the way, Johnny, just this is a just as a lookout. Rick Scarcella asked the first question, and I don't really think James was re- for whatever reason. James seemed a little put off by the way that Rich phrased the question. It was a perfectly uh, fair question just about the re- remainder of the season and maybe playing Drew Aller more. And I, I would say that I don't know that it's – it's. I think there's a middle ground. Like I don't know that Penn State fans necessarily are determined to see Drew Aller start the rest of the season. I think what they want to see is him play and him play meaningful snaps, and that would – that would entail James Franklin doing something he doesn't do a lot of, and that's playing two quarterbacks. I think Franklin Danny asked him about that, but I don't necessarily know. I think Penn State fans could live with a, a closing four-game regular season stretch if Drew Aller was going to play in every game and play meaningful snaps. I don't know that maybe you know just completely pull the shoot on Sean Clifford's career, but I do think um, there's middle ground. But the way that James is, I just I don't know about you, Johnny, but I thought. He's he's going to great lengths, right? He had this all he had this all set up about hey, it's not just about what I think about Sean Clifford. I I want to make sure I'm fair. So I talked to Manny Diaz. I talked to, I talked to Mike Yersich. I think he really was one of the guys behind Drew Aller's recruitment. I talked to Ken Wisenhut, who's uh, an offensive analyst. He's got a lot of a lot of uh, his resume in the NFL is, is is extensive. He knows what he's doing. Danny O'Brien. Uh, quarterback at Maryland. He's played them. I talked to all these guys and we're all kind of on the same page without revealing what that is. But here's my question. Who is going to bang the table for Drew Aller if James Franklin says, hey, what do you think about the final four games? Who is going to stand up to James and say, we might have this wrong. I think it's time to go with Drew. It was one of those scenarios where James asked the question, but he knew what the answer was going to be coming back. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's how I view it too. And uh, it would be interesting to be able to talk to those other guys like Wisenhunt and O'Brien and Yurcich, just even in an, in an off the record scenario or off to the side. Like, hey, so like, what do you what do you really think? Are you really backing this? Um, because it does it does feel like one of those scenarios. Uh, and, and look, we don't know what that decision is going to be. Maybe maybe Aller comes out and starts against Indiana. Maybe that's that's what they decided to do out of those conversations. I guess we'll have to wait and see on Saturday. But all signs point to. It being Clifford again, just just given uh, what we've you know heard and seen uh, Franklin uh, do in the past in, in this season, so uh, he said that he thought that uh, Clifford played well. He, he said he looked really good, and, and there were some scenarios. Something played like his that. tail off. That's that's what it is. Played his tail off against Ohio State. You know, three touchdowns, three hundred seventy-one yards. Also, four turnovers. You know, with a strip sack and three picks and. Franklin acknowledged that there are four to six plays that you have to get rid of, but it feels like he says that every week. Uh, and, and to this point, 
those plays haven't been expunged, you know, from Sean Clifford's game. That's been what's held him back as a quarterback, not just this season, but in years past is the turnovers and the, un- not that any turnover is timely, Bob, but the untimely ones, the ones that you really can't afford. We'll see. I, I, I was asked this week in our mailbag and we talk about, you know, just getting Al or more playing time, whether that's starting him or not. And I do think that there's, a scenario and something that Penn State can borrow from Medina High School when Drew Aller was a sophomore and uh, was the more talented guy uh, on paper, but was uh, stuck behind a veteran quarterback. And what they did was they played the veteran two or three series, and then they put Aller in for a series. And uh, just to get him, you know, for, you know, it really reps against the first team defense because sometimes in blowouts and garbage time, you see. You know, not only is the second team offense coming in, but the second team defense is coming in to get reps against them. So uh, you'd like to see Aller in high leverage situations. You'd like to see him against first team defenses, even if it is Indiana, Rutgers, Michigan State uh, and Maryland during this closing stretch. And then hopefully see him, you know, grow some more during bowl practices and whatever bowl game Penn State plays in. So I think there's there's this balance between wanting to respect what Sean Clifford's done as a six-year senior, but also looking to the future. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how James threads that needle uh, through the four, final four weeks. Yeah, I don't even know how many high-leverage situations there are going to be down the stretch, which is probably another maybe uh, argument for for more of Drew. But I don't know if you picked up on this, and maybe this is just me and my bizarre attitude and sense of humor, but the writers were trying – to get him to give up some more information. And he was talking about practice and he was talking about how lucky we are to get to see them. Cause if you look around, not a lot of people get to see him get to see practice. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Penn state really gives us a, a big availability, but to credit to James Franklin, he does make practice available every Wednesday for 10 to 15 minutes. And he is right. Not a lot of other people do that, but Writers are looking for a way in to like talk about Drew and where Drew's at, you know, because even though there are windows where we get to see Penn State practice, I don't know that there's a lot of uh, opportunities for us to see Drew Aller getting first team reps. There's not, there's not a lot of substance in those practice yeah, yeah. sessions, to be honest. I mean, you see who's available, you see some stuff, but you're not seeing Aller in seven on sevens or, you know, really a lot of good indie in individual drills or anything like that. So I think James Franklin caught himself, but he slipped up because he was asked about Drew Aller, and he, he started to tell this story about the season opener before the game started, and Joel Glatt was standing next to him on, on the field watching Drew go through warm-ups. And James is – it wasn't even Joel. James is talking about Drew being this physical spe- specimen with elite arm talent, and he's also got a quick release, and he's got all these things going for him. And I think James caught himself because he never said what Joel Glass said, what he thought of Drew Aller. He just kind of ended the conversation because the more he talked, the more he was making a case for Drew Aller's physical gifts. And he just kind of the story just kind of went cold. And I think he caught himself. But well, not only Bob, but he also said, you know, he said, yeah, yeah, he's tremendous arm talent. And some guys that have you know big arms aren't that accurate. He has shown to be accurate, and for a young kid, uh, and I think you know Sean has been a big part of this. I think he's done a really good job of preparing. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like he's checking all the boxes. Yeah. The other thing too is is that um, you know I think I forget who asked the question exactly, but James was asked. Uh, it might have been Tyler Donahue from Twenty Four Seven. 
asked, you know, is Sean's status as a four-time captain, does that factor into your decision to keep starting him? And James Franklin said flat out no, uh, and that it's a performance-based thing and that, you know, he's earned the right to be a captain from the players' votes during the offseason, but this is something that, you know, they decide based on performance. So, because that, that's another thing too, whether or not that's completely true or not, you know, just inherently that you might be more drawn to the guy who, you know, has the locker room and the respect of his teammates, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's just another, another little aspect to this really, you know, really confounding situation. Yeah. And, and, and realistically, if you're going to make the decision to start Drew at some point, and maybe it's not this week, maybe it's after the Maryland game, if they win two more to get to eight and two, and, and then you're, they're looking at a road trip to Rutgers, just got shut out by Minnesota and Michigan State. Who knows how? Who knows who's going to be left on Michigan State's roster by the end of the season after the uh, the tunnel incident and the police looking at the team and they're 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 definitely dis, there's some dysfunction going on I think uh, with the Spartans. But at some point, if you're going to make that decision, you like you can't really pull back from it. So when it, when, when that time comes, you got to make the decision to give him all the first team reps, right? And that's going to start early in the week. And James is not going to reveal that, but. I just feel like, Johnny, once, if that decision comes, once you make the decision to start Drew, there's no turning back, right? It's going to be, it's got to be his show. You're going to commit to the future, especially because Penn State and James, I think James is aware that he signed the big contract. They went four and five in 2020. They went seven and six last year, lost six of their, I think they lost six of their final eight. It might not mean that much to the fans because they lost to Michigan and Ohio State. I think it means a lot to James to try and get to 10 wins. 10 and 2, because that's kind of validation. It's kind and you know, he is developing players at every other position. Quarterback, it's really hard to play two. He was asked about that. He's right. I do think James has the number 10 in the back of his head. And then maybe let let's see the bowl game's almost like a different season, right? He's always kind of done that in the you know, all you know, anything goes, I think, in bowl season. But I think for the remainder of this season, if Sean Clifford is healthy. Um, the way that Penn State prepares its quarterbacks and gives them the majority of the reps, it's going to be really hard to give Drew Aller uh, more than a series or two because he's—I mean—he just doesn't have like all of the practice work maybe that he needs. Yeah, and I guess the hope is that you go into Indiana as two touchdown favorites and you put that thing to bed by halftime. An Indiana team that's really struggled in really every facet of the game. Uh, you come home and Maryland is a good, like a solid team, a, a good offense. Uh, but maybe you, you're able to get up. And again, in these four games, you're, ideally you get up early. Uh, if you're not going to go like three, one, three, one in terms of like series, splitting them up, just get a big lead and then get Aller in. I, I do think 10 and two is important. Like I, I get where James is coming from when it comes to that. I understand even fans who aren't all in on just, you know, playoff or bust because it seems like in college football across the board, that's kind of a mentality that's been now taken over the last handful of years. It's like, if you're not going to be in the playoff, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, the importance of getting there, uh, you know, for, for a Penn State, especially if they were to get to a playoff, I mean, that's, that's huge. It's program changing, but there is a lot of value in being 10 and two and not just if Aller's getting in, but you mentioned those other freshmen, there've been so many, uh, young contributors on this team, like an Apple Carter and Catron and Singleton and those guys, uh, to be a part of a team that has that kind of success and gets to a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, and then for the you know the seniors, not just Clifford, there's other seniors on this team, guys like P.J. Mustafer, uh, for them to go out the right way. There, there's a lot of value really across the board, and then even recruiting too, to be able to go back out on the trail and say, hey, 
Uh, we went 10 and two. Yeah. Yeah. We had that little bit of a rough patch, but things are, things are on the up here because we're 10 and two and we have all these young guys that uh, we're going to take that next step in 23. So uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of value in going 10 and two. Um, I understand where that's coming from, but I don't necessarily think it should come at the expense of getting Aller on the field at, at, at all costs. Like I feel like they, they really do need to take advantage of this window and, and get him on the field. Just real quick, Johnny, I know you, you did a, a really, really uh, good profile of Drew's time uh, in high school uh, in Medina. You went out, you, you spent some time in the town, you talked to a lot of people. I'm, I'm sure James knows, but it, you know, if Sean's going to be the guy who's going to play you know, 75%, 80% of the snaps the final four games to get to 10-2, and two, I would think behind the scenes, I think, I think that James Franklin has got an open line of dialogue with Drew and his parents, making sure that everyone's on the same page. There's no question he's the future of the position, but I just didn't know if you had any kind of thoughts about maybe how Drew handles, you know, not being the guy. He had, it was different in high school when he wasn't the guy. Eventually he was the guy and he turned into, you know, into a superstar. But I just wonder how the kid's attitude is about this. And maybe um, I'm sure he's a good teammate and he, he knows that his time is coming, but I have to think that James and Mike Yersich are, are you know, keeping the lines of communication open uh, with Drew and his family as Penn State navigates this final third of the regular season. Yeah, you would think. I mean, that, that would be the smart thing to do. And on Drew specifically and what, you know, going into his past and, and going to Medina and talking to his head football coach, uh, Larry Laird there, uh, and really breaking down, I mentioned in, in his sophomore year, uh, he was clearly the more talented quarterback, but he wasn't the starter. Uh, he was friends with the guy who was ahead of him a year ahead of him. Uh, and so it was a tough situation for Drew and he didn't want to be too pushy. Uh, he, he's not the kind of kid that is just going to walk into practice and say, all right, like I'm the guy uh, and really be cocky about it. You know, his teammates, his coaches, administrators at the school all exp- you know, described him as humble and uh, really grounded and down to earth. And, and that comes from his parents uh, and his upbringing. Uh, so he's got a really good head on his shoulders and it, it ultimately took his head coach uh, in a film session, one on one, when they're going over film and saying, "Hey, when are you gonna, you know, be the man? When are you when are you gonna take take over?" And sure enough, in two weeks, he did uh, when he was prompted to do so, and and you know, performed lights out and became the prospect that everyone saw uh, him become. But you know, I, I think judging by judging his character through that, through the people that know him uh, so well, this this is a situation that seems like he he's handling and, and was primed to handle well and surely understood the situation when he came in, you know, when Clifford came back that he would, he would be the starter and all that. And you can even see Aller on the sidelines too. Uh, the Minnesota game, uh, there was after one of the touchdowns, you know, Clifford comes back to the sideline. He comes, you know, Aller comes running out to celebrate with them. Everything we've heard from Franklin to Mike Yersich to Clifford, you know, in, even in the off season, uh, is that this quarterback room is really tight. You know, Clifford, Veyer, uh, Aller, and Prabola, the, these guys are, you know, they're friends, uh, they're close, and they're growing together. Uh, and I think that does matter when that, when that kind of culture and that kind of room is cultivated throughout the course of the season. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. And we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Let's switch gears, Johnny, here on the Blue White Breakdown to another talented, he's still young, another young, 
talented player that you're going to be writing about later this week. Olu Fashanu. Uh, you actually asked about him at James's uh, news conference. And James, James went into pretty good detail about all the things that he likes about Olu. Um, there has been a lot of stuff on social media from talent evaluators, draft talent evaluators about this is there's nothing fluky about what this third year player, this left tackle is has been doing. He's doing it every game. I mean, you know, D- Dane Brugler was actually before the season. He had seen him one game when he started against Arkansas. And he was I think Dane might have been on on the bandwagon before maybe anyone about, hey, a guy to watch this year, a young player to watch. Olu Fishano, the left tackle at Penn State. And he's just gotten better and better and better. And James was asked about, he was asked about uh, Olu a couple different ways, but I, I'm kind of thinking, Johnny, uh, that maybe we're seeing the last season of Olu at Penn State. And I, the reason I say that is, you know, he's only, this is his third year at Penn State. He's a young player. He's only 19. But the reason I say that is James keeps talking about his physical strength already. And that's usually the reason why you make the case that, hey, come back to school. You need to get bigger. You need to get stronger. But it sounds like James thinks he's he's pretty big and he's pretty strong already. So I just wonder, I know that James met with his parents on Sunday about, you know, the future. What's your kind of main takeaway from Olu? And I know that you got some stuff coming on him uh, a little later in the week. Yeah, the, the thing with Olu is, you know, just his maturity and the way that he hand, has handled this season so far. He's 19 years old. You know, he was he started the Outback Bowl, but uh, had never been in this kind of scenario before. The the traits, you know, the tools, all the all the draft words you want to use, the, the quickness, everything that he has from a physical standpoint is what you want uh, from an NFL standpoint, from what you're looking at as a draft evaluator, whether you're a coach, scout, or or GM. And uh, yeah, his, his uh, tools showed up at Purdue and then have really just continued to grow. That Auburn game uh, was really good. I think he's only allowed four pressures in his last four games, uh, according to PFF, which is just remarkable. I mean, he did a great job uh, against, um, you know, Ohio state's DNs and two guys in Harrison and, and JT, the guy that blew up the game on the right side. Uh, you know, he, he did a really good job against those two. And, uh, scouts are seeing that draft evaluators are seeing that I'm sure agents are seeing that and are trying to reach out and everything because uh, they're they're allowed to that, that that's that's allowed now and um, James said that uh, you know Olu and his family uh, has been handling this as well as they possibly can that that meeting on Sunday uh, went really well and they're asking all the right questions uh, he also said that Olu Fashanu can be an academic all-american like that's how bright this kid is. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he would get his degree, I think, next fall. Um, so, but that that's one of those scenarios that if, even if you leave for the draft, you can always come back uh, and, and finish up that work. And it seems like he has a good enough head on his shoulders that he would continue to do so. Um, and so that's what you want to see. That, And again, it, it would be unfortunate for Penn State that, you know, hey, maybe Aller's, you know, Aller's your guy next year and you have all these offensive pieces coming back and it would be really nice to have Fashanu as that, you know, lockdown blindside blocker. He's just done so well uh, at that spot this year. But at the same time, if you're getting a first round grade uh, as an offensive lineman, you got to go. Uh, and, and then you worry about everything else afterwards. Agree 100 percent. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how the season plays out for Olu. Also, we should mention he did leave the game, the Ohio State game. It looked like it was a little bit of a, of a physical issue. He couldn't finish. So we'll have to wait and see. 
uh, what his status is for Indiana. It's funny, Johnny. This is my segue. So, James, I won't talk about injuries. You guys asked me. I won't talk about injuries. And so what does he do? Hey, Kevon Lee's been hurt for the last five weeks. Like, he just volunteered that after, I think, Audrey Snyder asked, well, you know, we haven't seen a lot of him. How has he been handling the two, two freshmen kind of getting all of the work and nothing from Keith? Hey, well, he's been hurt. For, well, I can't figure this guy out sometimes with injuries. He just reveals something when you never think it's coming. But if you ask him about specifically about an injury, you're kind of you're, you're not admonished. But he's like, as you guys know, I don't talk about injuries unless I want to talk about injuries or their season ending injuries. So I just can't figure him out with injuries. Anymore. I tried to I tried to sneak in the the Olu Fashanu everything because yeah it was like all right hey you know what how do you how have you seen him handle all this success and then also is he okay uh, and you know he he gave me the spiel which which uh, you know I was kind of expecting I guess with the Kevon thing because there was there was some you know rumblings just some Twitter you know Twitter chatter about oh is he entering the portal or eh, it was a it was a couple weeks ago so. Uh, maybe that was uh, Franklin's way of just coming out and saying like, no, like he's injured, like setting the record straight a little bit and putting any of that stuff to rest. But yeah, you never, you never, never always know. Them. It was the same thing with Pat Narduzzi the last three years too. Uh, you, you would say, oh, I don't talk about injuries, but then as long if you just kept asking, sometimes they would, they would just give you stuff. So it's got to be persistent. <laughs> and that, that's all it comes down to. Yeah, you it's know? fascinating. I think it's all how you ask James a question. You can, if you're, yeah, I don't know if you're starting to see this, but some people ask questions a certain way, and it's like I like hey, James is like I like I like the way you put that. But if you don't ask the question the right way, it's not going to be a very long answer, and you see some of that as well. Um, just remember, moving forward, Johnny, if you ask a question and James' response is, you know, I think that's that question's kind of interesting to me. That's code for I don't think he's really happy about the question. That's been my experience, but. Uh, I just thought it was a really, really up and down press conference, uh, but I do think I came out of it thinking that maybe Olu might be in his last year at Penn State. Kevon Lee is definitely not healthy, and I'm just my my guess, my best guess is 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 Sean Clifford, if he's healthy, is going to be your starter at least for the next couple of games. But I do think Johnny that it, it means a lot. It really means a lot to James and his coaches. And it should. No, it should. But to get to 10 wins after only having, you know, 11 combined wins in 2020 and 2021, I do think that's something they're definitely shooting for. Absolutely. And look, as a press conference, I'm glad that there were so many questions about Aller and Clifford and stuff, because this was a discussion that 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 is at the forefront of every Penn State fans minds, uh, especially after the Ohio State game, because that first question right off the bat was, you know, hey, after now that you have two Big Ten losses because that that eliminates them from really realistically from any Big Ten title contention from any college football playoff contention. You know this is now uh, this is a season that you're not going to compete for a national championship. So then what are you going to compete for? And uh, it does mean a lot to Franklin and his staff and his players to now just go out there and and get the ten regular season wins, maybe eleven uh, with a bowl game, and go out on a high like that. You know, it was it was something that needed to be addressed, and I'm I'm glad that you know going into this stretch, we were able to you know as a beat and, and with Franklin just kind of have that conver- kind of have that conversation in a sense throughout uh, the press conference and, and try to get a glimpse into his mind. It, it's tough sometimes to to really get any information uh, out of James. You know, the way that he answers questions sometimes, he's he's very unwilling to to give away information if he thinks that uh, it's not in his best interest. But 
But yeah, so we'll just have to see how he handles this uh, this next month uh, of the season and how he handles uh, Drew and Sean and everything else, every other little bit of you know player personnel on this team. Yeah, and Penn State fans, if you're wondering, it's always it's really early to speculate what a ten and two season might get Penn State as far as the bowl. I can tell you that the uh, Citrus Bowl was well represented inside Beaver Stadium in the uh, press room after the Ohio State game. And you think about Ohio State, Michigan, and it looks like the flavor of the year in the Big Ten West might just end up being Illinois. I think Penn State would come in in the pecking order fourth, right? Depending on who's in the playoff, who's going to the Rose Bowl, who, whatever. I, you know, and that might end up being – there's a scenario, a pretty easy scenario, where I think Penn State could end up in the Citrus Bowl. I don't know how fans would feel about that. I personally love Florida and Orlando, but there is a lot of football left to play and things can change in a hurry. You never know. My dream is to go to Nashville, but I think that's a little bit too far down, Johnny. If I'm able to go to Nashville twice in like a three-month span, sign me up. I mean, I think that means a couple more losses for Penn State, so that would not be great for them. I think another scenario, too, that I've seen quite a bit would be the Orange Bowl, and that's you know, if uh, if they end up being third in that uh, Big Ten pecking order, I think that's how it works out uh, because there's still a chance that, you know, even if Illinois gets to the Big Ten title game, gets blown out or something by Michigan or Ohio State, that Penn State would be ranked ahead of them uh, at 10 and 2. So, yeah, we'll have to we'll just have to wait and see on, on that. But it's always fun to just, you know, look ahead to bowl, bowl projections and see where we're going to be around the holidays. And, uh, and and hopefully, fingers crossed, it's somewhat warm. Penn Live's Johnny McGonigal. Johnny, you've been a good sport talking about Penn State. When I know the Philadelphia Fightins are on your mind, you got the Eagles, you got a lot on your plate, as do some other people, but uh, it was good talking with you. Uh, you're going to have, I'm sure, a podcast with Dustin Hockensmith uh, later this week. I'll, be, I'll have one with Dave Jones. It is Penn State, Indiana week. Penn State's a two-touchdown favorite. We've talked about Drew. We've talked about Sean. We've talked about Olu. Uh, good luck to your Phillies this week. I won't say anything else. I don't want to do anything to jinx you. So uh, that's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Remember to check with Johnny and Dustin later in the week and Dave and I later in the week on uh, the Blue White Breakdown. But you guys have a great week. And Johnny, I just want to say go Phils. Go Phils. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live. Penn Live.